You talking to me? Welcome back to the screening room. We have four major nationwide releases and, as usual, some smaller films to talk about and the best of what's new on video. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Screening Room Podcast. And our first movie this week is the return of M. Night Shyamalan, and it's the story of a man with multiple personalities and, of course, a twist ending, and it's called Split. I've never seen a case like this before. 23 identities live in Kevin's body. Help me get out of here, Hedwig. Are you trying to trick me? I'll tell on you. Aren't you the clever one? An individual with multiple personalities can change their body chemistry with their thoughts. Someone's coming for you. Who's coming? The beast. He's done awful things to people, and he'll do awful things to you. Just a couple of years ago, M. Night Shyamalan had a bit of a rebound after years of some misfires, to be polite. Uh, he did this, the visit a couple of years ago, and it was he scaled back and seemed to find a little bit more of what made him so successful years ago when he did Signs and Unbreakable and The Sixth Sense. The visit was a nice little bit of... You know, lightly scary fun, had some humor in it, and of course that twist ending, it was one big misdirection. One of those deals where at the end you're like, I cannot believe he got me with this. But it was fun. It was and it, fun. And it gave you a little bit of a clue in the fact that, hey, maybe he's, maybe he's coming back. And I think this is more evidence here uh, with Split because, again, there's a twist at the end, but in a way the, the director himself is the main misdirection because he knows you're trying to think you're so smart by figuring it out, and he plays on that, and at the end he gets you, and there's no way you're going to figure it out. But what's nice for me anyway, even if you take away that final kicker, this still works as a pretty emotionally resonant movie. You liked it better than I did. I did like it, but but primarily because of James McAvoy's yes. performance. I have seen so many split personality horror films, and they are two a one terrible. Right. And um, uh, but this, I mean, James McAvoy's performance is so good. He creates really distinct characters, and you know what? Every single one of them, even the ones that are supposed to be villainous, are quite sympathetic. Yeah, he plays a guy named Kevin with twenty three personalities, and he exhibits increasingly disturbing behavior up to the point where he kidnaps three teenage girls one of them the main one named Casey played by Anya Taylor-Joy who we love from The Witch exactly and he takes them to a weird underground kind of room location you're not quite sure what's going on here and uh, and of course they're terrified and then they as they try to search for a way out they realize they're dealing with this person with these different personalities and while he's keeping them captive one of his personalities is making emergency appointments with his longtime therapist played by Betty Buckley who's great yeah she's so good in she's this so good nice to see Betty Buckley so then he shows up for the appointment and assures the doctor that oh nothing's wrong I'm fine well she thinks that's not true and of course she's right and so the two things play out we see what's going on back where the girls are being held captive and then we see what's going on as Kevin and his different personalities are out dealing with a therapist and dealing with some other things but you're right he is great, and, and as it, it goes on, a lot of his switches and personalities are done all in one take. Right. With yeah. tight close-ups, and he, he really is. He, I, 
I'm with you that the movie would not be what it is without him. Right. I'll give you that. And I heard that it was supposed to be Joaquin Phoenix. Interesting. In this role. Interesting. But uh, some... well, he's another stellar actor. I mean, Joaquin he Phoenix is. is amazingly talented. But but you know what? And I like James McAvoy. I've always liked James McAvoy. But I think this film really shows his range. It really does. I, I'm with you. I, I may not have been as high on him all this time as you have, mm-hmm. but he got me here. And as it goes on, it's again, it's creepy. There's not. There's hardly any blood, so it gets a PG-13 rating. Yeah. But it's creepy enough. Yeah, it's very creepy. And it leads you to wondering what's going on. And because of that history of bad split personality movies, he I used think, that. He, uh, does. he does. Shyamalan uses that to his advantage. He because does. You think you know where this is going because even if you haven't seen very many, you have a sense of how these bad movies turn out. Yeah. And he does things like using certain set designs to split the screen, mm-hmm. uh, kind of naturally, but but forced um and then he'll do real tight close-ups straight on full face close-ups and hold them maybe one extra beat but he also does this thing with casey's backstory that both of us think is heavy-handed yeah he does probably i think completely unnecessary i kind of think it is too he 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 does some flashbacks to her young when she was a young girl and it at one point i don't want to give anything away you think okay i see why uh, he, he he wanted us to have this information about her but then the other hand, the more I think about it, it probably was totally unnecessary. It was. It, it was. Um, yeah, you're right. It, it doesn't It doesn't service the film for us to get into it any deeper than that, but it was needless. Yeah. But what it might do is might lead you down a road exactly, that but you I don't, don't need to go. Yeah. So, uh, But then as it gets toward the end, it gets a little bit more intense. And then that final, that final kicker, he brings one around and hits you with that left hook. And uh, you know what? I was... I was happy about it. I was. I was really happy about it. I think a lot of people are going to be happy about it, too. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I did like it a little bit more than you. But I think yeah. we would both recommend it, though, would we not? Yeah, I think um, – so I think you went three and a half stars. I'd have gone three. Yeah, and we do a five-star scale. So Split gets a recommendation. Moving on to the next one, which probably doesn't, and that is the story of super spy, super agent, super extreme athlete Vin Diesel. He is back as Triple X. The return of Xander Cage. The war we're fighting today needs a different kind of soldier. We need someone who can walk into a tornado and come out the other side like it was a damn gentle breeze. Get on your knees! If you wanted me back, you could have just asked me. Let me simplify it for you. Kick some ass. Try to look dope while you're doing it. I could definitely make that work. So it's another return. M. Night Shyamalan returns. Xander Cage. Was anybody looking for Xander Cage? Well, this is funny because it's technically, we had to look this up because we were arguing about this. Is this the third movie in the 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 franchise? I didn't because I'd forgotten about the one. You go back, I think it's been at least 10 years. Oh, 11. 11 so, years so since the first Triple, Triple X. X came out 14 years ago, Woo! and then three years later they made a sequel without Vin Diesel starring Ice Cube. I totally forgot that. And I like Ice Cube, and I, I totally forgot about that and one. And then but more he's... than a decade later they dust it off again because there's nothing hipper than a 45-year-old guy on a skateboard. <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> and if you've seen the trailer, he gets to ride a motorcycle underwater, which... I ride a motorcycle, and I <laughs> I didn't get that lesson. I have to go back for a refund. 
but uh, please but, continue. Well, you have to think that the success, the inexplicable success of the Fast and Furious franchise, mm-hmm. you know, sort of out of nowhere, because it had really petered out to nothing. Then all of a sudden, blam, that that he decided he was going to dust off this other considerably weaker well, and I franchise. Think they also took a cue from the increased ridiculousness of the Fast and Furious. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, you know, the thing is that I don't think Triple X, I mean, it's, I don't think it ever was particularly popular. And if it was, you know, yeah. what, what little popularity it had was 14 years ago. Yeah. Those, those 13-year-old people are now adults with <laughs> children. They don't want to watch another Xander Cage movie. You know, and it's a PG-13 film, and it's, it's very lighthearted, and it's, it's, I mean, it's nothing but action. The plot is utter ludicrous nothingness. But what's, what's interesting, part of it is that, is that, you know, it's supposed to be sort of this parkour extreme sports, but really, aside from one fairly lengthy amounts to goofiness, you know, skateboard, on my bike, kind of action sequence it's mostly just another movie with a bunch of people shooting at each other which is not very interesting and one of the crew i swear to god george his power is he starts dances he just two different scenes he just walks into a club and takes (laughs) over the turntables i'm like does he even have a weapon he just gets people on the dance floor and he crowds out the guy who's coming after xander it's the dumbest thing you've ever seen that's a good talent to have instant (laughs) instant party you know, you just walk around. That's right. But uh, one of the things I think that we liked about this, because we compared it to the horrible mechanic resu- <laughs> resurrection from last year. But this, you said, doesn't take itself so seriously. No, exactly. So at least no. there's that. Yeah, they're, you know, they're, it's trying to be a fun film. It's definitely trying to be a fun I'm not sure that it, it, it succeeds at all, but that's, that's its goal is, you know, just to make the audience smile and have some fun. And, of course, because it's a movie like that, like this, Sam Jackson is in it. Yeah, of course it is. Of course he is. Well, he's in the original. Right, that's true. Um, but but yes, he's he's definitely in this one. For uh, to be honest with you, barely a scene. But you know, he does always make an impression. Right, that's exactly right. So if that's your bag, then please go. Wasn't really ours. Triple uh, X, The Return of Xander Cage, and the next movie is one we've been waiting on because he had been getting some Oscar buzz early. Michael Keaton, then it kind of petered out here in the last few weeks. But he stars in the story of how a small Hamburger stand in California grew to feed 1% of the population each and every day, and it's the founder. I've never seen a restaurant like this on my life. Orders ready in 30 seconds, not 30 minutes. Franchise the damn thing. How the heck do you build a fast food empire? One word, persistence. There should be McDonald's everywhere. Sea to shining sea. I could be growing this thing at twice the pace. Let's just slow down a minute. There are plenty of things we could do to make a quick buck, but that doesn't mean we should. Did he just hang up on you? Damn right. And the founder is Ray Kroc, credited as the founder of McDonald's, which really he's not. This might as well be called Behind the Bun. It's like (laughs) the real examination of how this happened. These two guys, the McDonald's brothers in California had this really incredibly successful hamburger stand and they were doing things that really at the time in food service very innovative and Ray Kroc was just a salesman a really hyped up you know persistence type salesman he was selling milkshake machines and he uh, got an order of like six or eight of these and he's like oh that must be a mistake nobody needs that and then he went out there to visit him and find found out that their business was such that they did need that many and he saw their business practices and was blown away and he was insistent on getting these guys to franchise the idea, and they didn't really want to. And the brothers themselves are played by Nick Offerman and John Carroll Lynch, 
Uh, I love them. Yeah. I mean, both of them. They are so talented. And Nick Offerman is so effortlessly, like, curmudgeonly. And the funny thing is, as much as this is a story about Ray Kroc, these brothers are fascinating. Uh, Dick McDonald, played by Nick Offerman, he is just a real straight-laced by the book. Everything has to be right. And that's one of the reasons he doesn't want to franchise, even though he's promised all this money. No, we have to do things right. It's important to do things right, not just chase crass commercialism. <laughs> and they make that point. You think, McDonald's? Not chasing crass commercialism? And and so the, those kind of details are fascinating. But I think the problem the movie gets into, it's it takes much too much of a clinical approach. And I think we look at the director, John Lee Hancock. He's not good. For that. Uh, because the writer is Robert Siegel, the writer of Big Fan with Patton Oswalt. Love that. And then he wrote The Wrestler. So brilliant. And there are so many elements of this movie. I mean, come on, look when it's coming out. And it's the story of an egomaniac businessman with questionable ethics who rises to a position of incredible wealth and power. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's much to be pointed out here if the story had more bite and more teeth. I don't say, I don't mean you have to go full satire. But you can really make some pointed uh, insights mm -hmm. about not only that, not only about him, uh, Ray Kroc, uh, but about there's also lots of parallels. You see parallels to today's issues of technology displacing jobs. Mm -hmm. You see very the, the very fruits of that, the seeds of that, uh, beginning with things like McDonald's and how they streamline and get rid of things that aren't necessary. So there's lots to be to be looked at here and. Even though it's it's a fine film and it's really an interesting story because we've always heard the story. If you grew up with McDonald's, you've always heard the story about, well, he was the founder. And then later on, you know, well, maybe he wasn't. Uh, so it's interesting to get that backstory. And I haven't done the research. I don't know how much of it is 100 percent true, but it, it seems to have a ring of truth to it. So you get that story, but it's it's a little too dry. And Michael Keaton is fantastic. Uh, you know, he paints Croc as a very, very incredibly driven, even to the detriment of his of his home life, as mm -hmm, you see, mm -hmm. determined businessman who listens to records about positive thinking and, you know, one of those guys. And, of course, he hit an incredible fortune and kind of screwed a couple of guys out of uh, their their just, you know, their just piece of it uh, in doing so. So it's it's fascinating that way. I just think it's a little too dry and could have used a bit more bite in the direction, uh, although, you know, could Michael Keaton, I think this was really, was it released in time for Oscar consideration? I'm honestly not sure. It would have to have been uh, at, at least released um, to in a couple of theaters right. before the end of last year. And to yeah. my knowledge, it was not, but Which that doesn't mean surprises it's, me because mm -hmm. it's the type of role where especially someone as well loved as Michael Keaton could get some Oscar love. And he is that good. He really is. But the film itself I guess I'd give it a I'd give it a lukewarm rec recommendation. Mm -hmm. It is a very interesting story, but it's kind of disappointing because it could have had, as I said, a lot a lot more bite, a lot more insight if it was told in a different way. And that is the founder. The next one, on the other hand, is just an amazingly well put together, beautifully directed, beautifully written, and beautifully performed slice of 1979 life, and it's called 20th Century Women. I think maybe you guys can help me with Jamie. How do you be a good man? What does that even mean nowadays? Don't you need a man to raise a man? No, I don't think so. You get to see him out in the world as a person. I never will. What about you? It's always about the mother. Okay, Jesus. Uh, yeah. So, sweetie, I don't know if we ever figure our lives out. And the people who help you, they might not be who you thought or wanted. 
They might just be the people who show up. And you are right about 1979. And you know, I love me some 70s. Yeah, I know that you do. And uh, 79 it was is recreated to great effect here. And it's a, it is a very, very engaging story of basically a, a young boy who's being raised around a lot of women and the each the impact each one of these particular women and their idiosyncrasies mm-hmm. has on his life. And in particular, so it's his mother, Dorothea, who is played spectacularly by Annette Benning. And she's and you know what I love about this film? So so many times when you are a kid, you look at your at your parent, at your mother as just unknowable. Just just this bizarre mystery. This film better than maybe any other really captures that. And she's she's a single parent and she's struggling to help guide him through adolescence. And so she she openly enlists the help of the punk rock artist living in her house, played by the always wonderful Greta, Greta Gerwig, mm-hmm. and also the teenage kind of wounded, you know, girl who lives in the neighborhood. That he kind of has a crush on. Elle Fanning. Who's just, great. Who's always great. And just ask the two of them to kind of, help her raise him, which is odd. And it's just so funny. The The boy is so sympathetic where he's just like, we're fine, mom. We're <laughs> fine. You know, just like stop embarrassing me. But right. he is fascinated by her because and it, she's an interesting character because she's older than everybody else, but she's much too sort of savvy and independent to be of her own generation. And yet she's definitely not of this 1979 hippie turned punk rock generation. And she's such a fascinating figure. And Annette Benning is wonderful. And she... Is ta- her character is taking in these borders. Mm-hmm. And another one of the borders is Billy Crudup. Who's also great. He's had a good year. Yes. By the, well, 2016, I should say. Had a good 2016. And uh, so he brings in a, a different perspective as a man trying to, you know, be hip with the women's lib and everything like that. He's sort of a displaced hippie. Yeah. You know, also a guy sort of out of his own time stamp. You mm-hmm. know, it's the end of his era, and yet here he still is a hippie. I love, I just, the collection of people in this house is so great. Yeah, and the writing is very, very on point. I mean, the characters mm-hmm. the characters are distinct, and as you said, the acting is great. Each character is brought to life wonderfully by these actors, and it just, it's the guy, Mike Mills yep. is the filmmaker, and he has done some stuff we like a lot, Beginners, yeah. we liked a lot. Uh, and he just has he just has a way of crafting these characters that have nice things to say, but they don't beat you about the head about it. Exactly. Uh, you you watch how they speak and what they do, and they and they make little impressions on you. And of course, the cast never hurts. No, they're so. I mean, every single one of them is so wonderful. And you know, and you were saying about 1979. I love punk rock. I love me some punk rock, and I love. There's just this nice. They don't. It is just an undercurrent. And the undercurrent is perfect for adolescence, you know? It's 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 just this clash of emotion and you don't know what to do with this energy yet and it's and it's really perfect for the story. Uh, that's those are the four. So that's another recommendation from us, 20th Century Women. And those are the four big nationwide releases, but also some decent and in one case very good uh, smaller films to uh, talk about. And the first one is one that I know you loved and I liked. Uh, it's the latest from Jim Jarmusch, very quiet story of a bus driver named Patterson. Adam Driver, another guy, had a great 2016, early 2017. And it's such a, it is a very quiet film and not one that everybody's going to love. It's about a bus driver who's a poet. And really the whole film is is about quiet observation, noticing patterns, you know, and it's, there's a, there's a, there's a quirky humor, particularly as it comes to patterns. Yes. But it's interesting because our, our vehicle character, Patterson, he doesn't talk much he doesn't share much of himself he, and he just lives observes. in patterson he does 
He just observes, and so the film is asking you to observe along with him. So it's really, you have to be ready for something that's very quiet. But, you know, it's it's for me, and I do love Jim Jarmusch. It's a, it's a really lovely film, and, and uh, Adam Driver is wonderful. You hear a lot of people see a movie, and they say, nothing happened. Well, if you tend toward being that type of person, don't see this, because you're going to say, nothing happened. But it does. It's very observational, as you say, and there's patterns everywhere sets, things that go together, things that don't, and it's extremely observational, and I did like it. I did like it. I just, you and some other uh, critics that I've seen really, really love it. I can't go there, but uh, if this is the kind of thing you like, especially if you're a fan of Jim Jarmusch, um, and we are, uh, then we would recommend Patterson. And the next quiet one is one that stars a couple of great actors, and that's Really about the best reason this film has, I think, for existing, and it's called Trespass Against Us, and those two actors are Michael Fassbender and Brendan Gleeson. Hard to get better than that. It really is, and you think, okay, these two are going toe-to-toe, I'm in, and it's the story of a traveling band of thieves, of criminals, living on the outskirts in the countryside of Britain, and they just... So Irish travelers. Pretty like much. Like sort of the gypsy clans, but there used to be a TV show about Irish travelers yeah. in England. Yeah, and they pretty much just alternate between robbing and then intentionally pranking the police uh, to, you know, basically try and catch us. And it has some some humor in it. And so much, though, so much so that you're thinking, is this a comedy drama or a drama comedy? And it never quite gets that balance right. Um, and But the actors are great. Uh, Brendan Gleeson is the, the patriarch of the clan. And Michael Fassbender is the oldest son who wants to break away because his own son is now becoming of age where grandpa has given him the eye that he's going to start participating in these criminal acts. And Michael Fassbender and his wife, who's great, played by Lindsay Marshall, uh, they don't want that for their son and they want to get away. But nobody crosses the old man. So uh, Michael Fassbender is, is scared to do that and his wife is growing increasingly frustrated about that fact. So you've got all these twisting loyalties and interesting characters and interesting relationships, but the movie just keeps them all at arm's length. You never quite get inside any of them, and you wonder, it's the debut, really, the debut feature film for both the writer and the director. So it's a case where they got this great cast, and there's potential there, there's talent there, they're just not there yet as far as storytelling. So it's one that is interesting enough, so I wouldn't say it's bad, but it, you just you just wish it had gone a little bit farther because at the very end you're thinking, okay, the really only point of view is look at this family and look at these true these true great actors and that's about it. Mm. So it could have could have been a lot more insightful, I think, for trespass against us. Another small film coming out, and this is the third or fourth in a row that I was eager to see from Christopher Smith out of England, and it's called Detour. So he made, several years ago, he made a film we both love called Severance. Yeah. Just one of the all-time comedy. great horror comedies. Yes. One of the all-time great horror comedies. And then he's made several horror films since then that really, they very much take a, a different approach every single time. He made Black Death, which was a, 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 a very serious, historical, witch-hunting kind of a film. And, and with this one, he, he takes a, a harder left turn. He, this is not a horror film at all. It's kind of a neo-noir with Ty Sheridan in the lead, we love this actor, mm-hmm. from Mud, yeah. um, as a law student, uh, just an all-around good Joe who believes his stepfather is to blame for his mother's coma. And uh, a night by himself, after visiting his mother, he has too much to drink, and he runs afoul of some local no-goodniks, and the next morning they come calling because apparently in his drunken stupor, 
he's made an arrangement with this guy to take care of his stepdad. Uh-huh. And, uh, and what's interesting about the film and what's interesting about what Christopher Smith does is very much like Sh- Shyamalan, he the the uh, most of the film is an act of misdirection and you think you're staying and te- you think you know where he's going with it but you probably don't and there are a lot of calls back to some to some you know great noirs and it's a road picture for a long time and there are a lot of very interesting weird side characters that just come in for a minute and leave as as he goes on this road trip with these criminals uh but unfortunately the film doesn't resolve itself particularly satisfyingly, and and uh, as interesting as the three main characters are, they're never really fleshed out to any particular degree. And I think the film thinks it leaves you with something very powerful, and I I don't think it does. I think er- the early part of the film is probably too tidy. It gets much sloppier as it moves on, and then I think it thinks it says more than it does at the end. So it's enjoyable, but it's definitely a bit of a misfire, especially for this director that I like so well. Yeah, so kind of a lukewarm recommendation, if at all, and that's Detour. And the ones coming out on video and streaming this week, uh, some disappointing titles, including Girl on the Train, which neither one of us liked. Oh, that should have been so much better. Also, Keeping Up with the Joneses, despite a really good cast, I don't know if I laughed once or twice. One of the worst of last year. Ooh, it was bad. Uh, And then one that you thought was okay, Ouija 2. Yeah, you know, because the original Ouija film, uh, I hated. It was just a PG-13 teenage schlock fest in a haunted house. But it's interesting. They went to an, an origin story for the sequel. They got a much better cast, and they did a pretty good job of it. I mean, I'm not going to say it's outstanding, but definitely it's it's a pretty fun, spooky movie. Okay, so our pick of the week, though, for... DVD, streaming, and video is The Train to Busan. Oh, yeah. Speaking of horror films, <laughs> this is so fun. So it's sort of, you know, Dawn of the Dead meets uh, Snowpiercer. Exactly. It's, it's just, you know, for the, you know, uh, Tokyo is is uh, under a zombie apocalypse. They don't realize it yet. And a businessman and his daughter have to board a train. And, uh, and that's the whole movie, really. And it is surprisingly emotionally resonant, the whole film. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's very action-packed. It's very fast-paced. It, is, it was a surprising hit. I don't think anybody expected it to be as big of a hit as it was. Right. And, um, and then, you know, as fun as it is and as interesting as it is, be prepared for a gut punch of an ending because <laughs> I just about cried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they get you there. So Train to Busan is our pick. On video this week. Next week, we've got a few to look forward to. We've got Jackie finally coming. Love we've that got, one. We've uh, got the latest Resident Evil. Now, they say it's the final chapter, but... I don't u- know if we believe them. They usually lie. Also, <laughs> Gold, my uh, Matthew McConaughey, and one that's been in the news a lot lately for bad reasons, and that's a dog's purpose. So we'll see what happens with that, if this is going to get sunk by the... Uh, by the accusations it of animal is. abuse. I Nobody's going to go see it. Well, if they even, I'm, I'm wondering if they even pull it for a while uh-huh. or we shall see. But anyway, those are the ones scheduled for next week, so we'll see. But in the meantime, let us know what you thought about uh, the films this week. Split, did you like that ending? What do you think? Triple X and The Founder or any of the movies we talked about this week, let us know. Uh, easiest way to keep the conversation going is on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also, Mad Wolf Columbus. On Facebook and the main website where you can catch all our written reviews and some other fun, and that is madwolf.com. And the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and madwolf.com. And until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for tonight.